this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Hello and welcome back into the Savage Situation podcast. It's your host here, Adam Savage. Good to have you guys here. And we've had such an amazing couple of seasons. We're back with a third season. Now I have a co-host every week, Ian Chambers. And we've got so much coming your way. And we have guests coming on. We're talking about the gaming world as well as, you know, things like online, lifestyle, sport as well. So it kind of encapsulates kind of everything that we like. And we hope you guys enjoy it as well. Now, one thing that's really going to help grow the show and expand to a bigger audience and broaden its horizons is if you guys do leave a review. It's really important important to subscribe and follow to make sure you never miss an episode but reviews are so key to getting us as high up the charts as humanly possible so that everyone can hear our brilliant podcast that you guys obviously a massive part of as well i do make sure to leave a five-star review if you can that'd be amazing with a comment as well and hopefully it'll boost our show to outer space and beyond enjoy this new episode it's a banger if i do say so myself i would say that though but genuinely enjoy Hello, welcome to the Savage Situation Gaming Podcast. I'm Adam Savage, and as a host across esports and video games, I've been lucky to work alongside a ton of brilliant people, and I like to think I've gained a very unique insight into how the gaming world works. Whether you're a gamer, someone who used to play as a kid, has slightly lost touch, or you're simply curious because you've heard that gaming can sometimes make you Hollywood money from your bedroom, this podcast is absolutely for everyone. Now, during lockdown, I've been chatting to special guests from pro gamers to streamers to the influencers who've become the faces of the industry, all about how they started and the experiences they've had in this ever-evolving world. Be sure to subscribe, please, to be notified when new episodes are uploaded. Now, let's meet my guest today. Joining me on the show this week is the musical master of video game parodies, Dan Bull. I cannot wait for you to hear all about how he got started. You know, he flipped his uni degree and has now become one of the internet's most celebrated creators. It, it honestly is such a great story. His videos like the Minecraft Creeper Rap and the Skeleton Remix have amassed millions and millions of views. He's now become quite a cult figure in the YouTube world and paid close attention to the tale of pipping Kanye to the post on one of his albums too. Honestly, brilliant. Dan proves that a combination of passion and creativity can get you to the highest reaches of success, but he's had his fair share of hardships along the way too. I hope you enjoy this one as much as I did. Mr. Dan Bull is on the Savage Situation. This is, this is a dream come true for me, Dan. Thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. It's great to have you. Um, where are you in the world right now? Are you, are you fully locked down, but are you okay? I am in my house, specifically the garage in Birmingham, uh, which is where I spend a lot of my time anyway. So honestly, with this lockdown situation, uh, my lifestyle hasn't changed drastically. It feels like everyone else is just converting to to how I'm used to living anyway. So yeah, it's all good. <laughs> so we're living in a kind of virtual, a virtual experience of Danbull's actual life. It's essentially Danbull Simulator 2020. 
there we go. I yep. love that. It's great. <laughs> um, I mean, th- thanks for coming on. We've got a lot of talk to, to, to talk about in terms of, you know, your gaming history and your life in on YouTube and as a musician as well, because you've done some incredible stuff. Uh, I mean, t- take me back to the beginning. You, you, you grew up in Bromsgrove, is that right? I did, which is a little commuter town on the edge of Birmingham that's very, very generic and not particularly interesting. Uh, I can't think of a an interesting fact about it they used to make <laughs> nails there apparently <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they made nail like like just they just made nails it was the, it was apparently the the uh uk hub of nail making so if you see any particularly old nails somewhere it may have been from my hometown <laughs> <laughs> i mean there had to be somewhere which was the nail hub of the uk and it was bromsgrove so yeah. Hey, there we go. I mean, it, I mean, my my wife's from Worcester. I have no idea how close that is to to Bromsgrove. But. It's it's very close. I I uh, the first place I moved to was from when I left Bromsgrove was to Worcester. So uh, and Worcester's like a slightly larger Bromsgrove. So if you can imagine Worcester, right. I imagine a smaller version of that, and you've got my hometown. Brilliant, and, yeah. and obviously Worcester famous for for its sauce. So you got nails, you got sauce. I mean, the whole the whole region is just. Bursting. I, Worcester within, was, within, a, was actually uh, chosen or voted as the most average town in Britain recently. I can't remember who did it, but it was officially the most average town in Britain. As in, <laughs> really? Yeah. I've got to tell her that. Yeah. She'll, she'll, she'll not be surprised, Dan. <laughs> she'll probably think that's exactly what I imagined. So, yeah. Um, well, I mean, life in Bromsgrove, you're growing up there and, and in the Birmingham area. I mean, what was, what was, um, you were gaming from a young age, I take it? I was. Well, I grew up in the countryside as well. So, uh, I didn't have easy access to kind of friends that I could just knock on the door or they could knock on my door. If I wanted to see friends, I had to go through the channel of asking my mum to speak to their mum so that they that we could then meet up and hang out. So I ended up having to entertain myself a lot. So, And I wasn't a very outdoorsy person, despite having mm. the, this beautiful countryside right on my front door. Having grown up with it, I didn't appreciate it either. It was just there. Um, but I enjoyed things, more geeky things like drawing, comics. Um, and eventually, uh, I think I, I asked my parents for a computer. I didn't really know what I was talking about. I asked my parents for a computer for Christmas and they got me. I was, I'd, I'd seen my friend Sega Mega Drive, so I was expecting to be able to play Sonic and stuff. And they got me like a speak yeah. and spell device. And I was, <laughs> I was so disappointed. <laughs> but I can spell really well now. So there's always an upside. Well, there is always a positive, you know, but you didn't get Sonic. I didn't get Sonic, but the first actual uh, gaming device I got was the original Game Boy with, uh, I think I had Tetris and Super Mario Land, so it was a strong start. Um, I still, I I haven't played those games for a long time, but I'm sure they'd still hold up today. There are some games where you go back and play them and you have these rose-tinted glasses and they're not actually very good, but I'm, I'm sure Tetris and Super Mario Land are on a next level where they're still probably pretty well playable. If if you had like a museum of the games that built history in a gaming in a gaming you know from a gaming perspective you'd 100 percent have tetris and super mario land as the two quintessential game boy games for uh, me I yeah admit, uh, I, don't... I think i think there was the one that everyone kind of had yeah yeah and then i think there was like there was a few others like uh kirby was one that a lot of people had um kirby's dreamland yeah yeah um and then there were oh the, i i used to enjoy those like uh, I don't know what the, the genre is, but like Streets of Rage and Double Dragon, where it'd just be two guys walking down, be- beating the crap out of people. Would you call it a side-scrolling beat-em-up? 
maybe yeah i i, I think yeah. so i i used to that love works. those just not i don't know whether the gameplay was that good but i just thought it was really cool seeing people getting beaten up at that age yeah um, it was <laughs> it's like yeah beat them up great i mean that, i mean double i mean those were those were i mean even on the nez i had a nez and and such double dragon was a huge game i think it was one of those few games that you could play two player with as well with friends i guess if that's you could afford why to have it's a called controller. double dragon isn't it i guess it's I, heavily yes. focused on the two-player aspect um that is true but yeah. i don't think that if you didn't have a friend you could play that with like an ai double dragon teammate i think it had to be just you on your own or with a pal yeah a double dragon teammate would have been great to always have someone there by oh, your side yeah like a mind you so many games have such terrible ai when you're when you have like a companion or something um yeah that's true i remember being really frustrated in skyrim when you're you'd have a companion who was supposed to help you on your quests but they'd usually just stand in a doorway and stop you from actually getting through uh <laughs> ai's got a long way to go i think it has it, it, it's getting there but it, it's baby steps it's baby steps you know um you I mean, so you you played you had the game boy you 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 i mean that's that's i mean you obviously had to sit underneath the window for the sunshine to to beam onto the screen so you could actually see what you were doing yeah it, it was such a low contrast and uh, looking oh. back at it i can't believe i could even see it i picked up my game boy because i still got it I looked at it recently and I, I i couldn't tell whether the screen had faded massively or we just got spoiled recently with high contrast <laughs> hdr and stuff but it was barely it, it was they like, kind of they kind of mugged us off, didn't they? Nintendo, they were like, right, buy the Game Boy Advance, and then we're going to release a special light so you can see in the dark, and a magnifying glass so you can see the screen with the <laughs> yeah. light in the dark. It was yeah. like, I was talk about peripherals. This is ridiculous. Yeah, they basically they basically made modular things that should have been core components of any device that worked properly. <laughs> genius, and they're yeah. still going today. This is it. It's genius. They were thinking ahead. Yeah, it you works. Know. Miyamoto, he's on top of the game, mate. On top of the game. I'm really, um, I don't know why, but I feel like if Nintendo just released those old, like te- the tra- classic Tetris and classic Mario on the Switch now, they'd be rolling. I mean, they're already rolling in it, but even more rolling in it. But it's, yeah. I, I noticed on the Nintendo store this week that you can buy the classic Sonic games on the Switch, but you can't buy the classic Mario games. And that seems like looking back, that seems like such a weird thing that you can buy the Sega titles but not the Nintendo titles on a Nintendo device. Yeah, that is weird. Well, I always <laughs> thought it was weird as well. You know, these massive rivals suddenly came together and had like the Sonic and Mario Olympic games. I thought they hated each other, these two. And suddenly they're, they're I think I think that played out on the Wii, I want to say. Yeah. But I think Sega, um, Sega had a rough time of it at some point, didn't they, financially? And they had yeah. to... Uh, they had to make a lot of concessions. So Sonic basically lives on the Nintendo now. Yeah, I mean, they released a game Sega called um, Aliens Colonial Marines. I don't know if you played that at all, but I've Jesus. heard I've heard the horror stories of it. I've heard it that it was, was hyped up to be something that it definitely didn't turn out to be. It was. I mean, the whole. I mean, Alien Isolation came out a few years later, and that's a game where it's all kind of based on suspense, and there's one alien kind of chasing you around. This game was like, okay, it's an alien game, and about every level would have at least six or seven hundred aliens just charge at you, and it just felt like you would you were just mini gunning your way through a barrage one barrage of of queens it was just ridiculous it wasn't it wasn't a game it was just an eyesore yeah it was, so it, it, was it didn't it didn't understand what alien was all about because i think exactly. the first alien movie was just one alien wasn't it i guess that's why it just was one, called alien one. yeah so yeah. I, I i haven't played alien isolation either but i've heard that it was a, a lot more on the button in terms of how alien's supposed to feel 
Oh, it's good. And it's a long game. It's like a, it's like a 15, 16 hour campaign. And really? It's, it's proper scary. Yeah, it's, you can give it a go. You, you can pick it up for like, no, you know, pennies I, now. The funny thing is I own it, but I, I, I always kind of get around and I look at it and go, oh, I could play that now. And then I think it would be less stressful to play something else. So I end yeah. up never playing it. Um, <laughs> I, I like playing games to de-stress and I feel like I wouldn't be de-stressed after playing that. Um, yeah. I, I do like a good horror game though, but I, I tend to I tend to kind of binge them. So do you know the Amnesia games? Yes, uh, yeah, I do. Yeah. I, I, kind of, I binged all of those uh, and the Penumbra games, which were like s- s- spiritual prequels to those, all one after the other. Um, and it was it, it was not relaxing at all, but it was very uh, exciting, let's say. <laughs> Yeah, horror, uh, horror really... is something that's kind of different to any other genre of game where it seems to it, it elicits a different response like it doesn't have to be the gameplay doesn't necessarily have to be good you don't have to be good at it to get the experience from it it's more like how you feel as you're going through it totally I mean there were games like Outlast have you played Outlast as well? yes I played that's that for yeah. about 5-10 minutes before I went nope 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 don't need this don't need <laughs> yes. this in my life right now <laughs> I mean it, it it actually takes everything that is scary about games and just and, and then just you know puts all of that into, in, into I mean you can't even you can't have weapons in the game it's all based on you have a video camera don't you and you and you just ultimately have to spy your way through these undead infested lands and just and just try and hide from from it's terrifying beasts and i don't oh, know, i don't know it, what it is but there's something about that the lighting where if something's from like a handheld torch or of phone light or something it looks 10 times scarier than if it was just lit normally totally <coughs> you're absolutely right i mean um horror games game boy i mean you were the entire time you were kind of playing these games I'm trying to get my head around your mindset of like the, where, the, where the musical side of things comes in as well. I mean, I think it, I read that at 12 years old, you wanted to be a musician um, and you were inspired by, and I'm, I'm going, I'm going, I'm quoting, I'm quoting here. Are you, you were, you, you actually ruined the tape on your Ghostbusters VHS copy because you, you played back Ray Parker Jr. song so many times. Is this correct? Is this, is this legit? I think you're reading, you must be reading the bio on my website. I haven't updated that I, for ages, but it's still true. Um, <laughs> it, was, it wasn't fiction no um yeah i uh i had limited access to to music i think because my parents had a few different cassette tapes and one of them was the ghostbusters soundtrack i loved all the songs on that but yeah the the main theme tune to ghostbusters i just think is one of the greatest pieces of music of all time it's super well composed musically it's catchy it's funky it's silly it has all different sections in it suspenseful sections groovy sections and it's just one of the most 80s pieces of music as well and i have a real fondness for music from the 80s so yeah, yeah I, I, mean, I listen to that a lot uh, interestingly for my um my a-level music coursework i remade that from scratch uh and that was one of my first big musical kind of digital music projects i did was remaking the ghostbusters theme tune i imagine it doesn't sound very good but i had a huge amount of fun doing that and kind of listening back and picking out all the instrumental parts and working out what they how they were played and stuff so yeah i mean it's 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 one of the most iconic bits of film music there is. I mean, it was played. I mean, what other film music is regularly played at like school discos around the world? You know, it's just like it's just when you hear the opening, kind of like the opening few bars. Yeah, you know, you what's, know what's coming, coming your yeah. way. I was going to say you know it's coming. Uh, before you finished your question, I was going to say, "Oh, Jaws," but then they, they wouldn't play that at school discos. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a strange. I'd love to do a DJ set where you just play the most awkward, undanceable pieces of famous music possible, like the Jaws theme tune. Uh, what else would there be? Sorry, I'm completely kind of derailing. No, the no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, what could you play at a school disco, which is really kind of. I mean, you you wouldn't get anyone dancing to like the Lord of the Rings soundtrack, would you? The kind of bits where they're kind of like walking through the, the you know, is it Hobbiton? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, diddle, diddle, diddle. it's not very romantic. I'd have a go. Um, I'd have a go. You'd get all the nerds yeah. coming onto the dance floor. Everyone would yeah, swap the places. Would up. Yeah, the, the nerds would lap that right up. <laughs> They'd love it. They'd love it. Um, I mean, you, <laughs> you, you, you love Ghostbusters. What, what, did the song turn out well, by the way? Did they, I mean, from the, from a teacher's perspective, do they think, oh, this is this is really gradable, this is really good? It did, actually. I, I was kind of a slacker in school uh, in terms of written coursework. And it, in fact, with my music A-level, I didn't hand in any written coursework. So my grade, uh, I, I, it looked like I was going to fail, but then I handed in the actual the production I'd made and it kind of boosted my score up back to something respectable. So, right. um, so I think it was it's- quite good. But this is obviously, this is still judging it on what a, a kid at school can do rather than a professional music producer so you know what i'll if I, if I remember i'll try and dig it out and i'll send it to you and you can have a listen i would love that yeah i'd love it R- writing this ghostbuster song was this the reason as well you received an award for weird- weirdest behavior in sixth form or is that something completely different no i just had and still have a very very unusual sense of humor which i think you can see in some of my videos especially the more sometimes if something in a video is totally confusing and people don't know why i've done it it's usually because i found it funny regardless of whether i think anyone else will find it funny i tend to do something that just satisfies my own odd sense of humor um one of the things i did that baffled a lot of people uh was I I released an album called The Life of Pablo. Have you heard of this album? I've heard of this album. Uh, yeah, so this is an album that... Uh, basically, the story of this is that this was during the time when Kanye West was producing an album called The Life of Pablo. He he posted a picture of the track listing, and he was like, this is the finished track listing for The Life of Pablo. And I saw that as an opportunity because he hadn't released the album yet. And I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make this album before he does. <laughs> So I, I, I basically just booted up my music software and looked at the tra- track listing and just ad-libbed the entire album of how I thought it should sound, just using my voice, uh, cut it up, put it on the, on Spotify uh, and everything else before his album came out. Uh, and the funny thing as well was that his album was exclusive to Tidal because he was uh, one of the people that were on Tidal. Uh, and so it he didn't release The Life of Pablo on Spotify. So anyone that was looking for The Life of Pablo on Spotify didn't find a, a result for Kanye West. They just found my album. And so it got a whole <laughs> bunch of plays and it got written about in, in GQ magazine and some other stuff. And this was just me just shitposting basically to entertain myself. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Did, uh, did you ever find it? Was there ever any kind of like um, any kind of uh, legal issues with that down the line? Like did he ever kind of push it for it or was it just left? It's a, well, it's a grey area, really, because I wasn't infringing on any of Kanye's music because I literally hadn't heard it. I just made up my own original, if you can call it music. It was my music. <laughs> the only thing that it had in common was the song titles. Uh, and yeah. from what I understood, you can't really copyright a song title. I mean, there's a lot of famous songs that have the same the same name and they can't really sue each other for the name. Yeah. Um, 
But nevertheless, I think Kanye's uh, obviously has, or his his label, I'm not sure who he's with, has a lot of sway. So they, they did speak to my digital distribution and said, look, you shouldn't really be doing this. So it got uh, it got taken down off. I think it was iTunes it was taken off, but it's still on it's still on um, Spotify and other platforms. But okay. honestly, I there's no that. there's no way you could mistake it for the actual product. <laughs> I don't think there's an issue there. I didn't even think that you could kind of use people's album you know title and song titles, and that wasn't infringing on some kind of copyright. So, well, the thing is, I I did release mine first. So if anyone's infringing, I'd say it was him. Yeah, it's bloody Kanye. <laughs> yeah, bloody Kanye. That's the I thing. Mean, he's, a, he's a wild. He's a wild kid. He's a very odd man. He is. I still, I still can't decide if he's a genius or an idiot, or possibly both. But he, he's definitely <laughs> one to to watch. Um, he's one to watch. He's yeah. one to watch. Um, you had a band when you were growing up as well called Matron's Apron. Um, I did. I did. You described it as alternative, alternative. What what does that mean? Uh, alternative, alternative. I think it basically means we didn't know what the hell we were doing. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we we did all sorts of stuff. Again, uh, I I tended to gravitate gravitate towards making friends with people that had weird sense of humour like me. So we it was essentially a novelty rock band where we just we made odd songs about strange topics like Miss Marple and uh, how we don't like Westlife, um, and none of the songs sounded anything like each other. So we didn't really have a sound. Uh, we ended up we ended up uh, coining the phrase alternative alternative because. We thought that alternative music was too mainstream and we wanted an alternative to it. Uh, yeah, and we, it didn't it's really It's an intriguing description for any music. You think, alternative, you think what, what the heck is this? Alternative, alternative? <laughs> yeah. I'm in. It, I want to hear this. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. It's just a thing. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's just for you guys, a matron's apron. We had a lot just of fun. You. And I, 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 um, I was disappointed because all my friends sensibly ended up... Uh, going to uni and having uh, no, normal, respectable careers while I still pursued my musical ambitions. And I was uh, I was unemployed for quite a while, still determined to become a musician. And realistically, uh, it shouldn't have been successful, that career, that, that choice of, <laughs> of how to succeed. But uh, for some reason or other, it was the right place and the right time. Uh, it was just as YouTube was, was starting up and taking off. And I happened to be one of those lucky few that got swept up as youtube uh snowballed in size my channel went along with it and so i've managed to kind of leverage that ever since um and so yeah i went from being kind of a, uh, an unemployed dreamer that was sure i was going to make a career in rap music despite being a white middle class guy that wasn't particularly <laughs> adept at performing on stage uh i've managed to make a career of it for a good decade now do, do you think YouTube obviously, because um, YouTube obviously boomed off in what, what 2010, I think it was, more, like YouTube really kind of started? Yeah, I mean, it was created in 2005, but I, I so distinctly remember thinking, like, I remember YouTube being a new website and thinking what an, what an interesting novelty it was that you could watch mm. vid, all these videos on there. And looking back, I just can't believe how myself or anyone didn't think this is clearly the future and this is basically going to be an industry it was yeah i i, I really clearly remember thinking huh what a what a fun idea for a website and it was just like one of the many interesting websites i had bookmarked on my on my browser if yeah. i'd have if i'd have 
sat and thought about it, I, I, I really wish I'd have gone, you know what, this is the future, and I, I, I would lean into it even he- more heavily. Really? Back then, there weren't things like you couldn't monetize a video. There weren't, um, there weren't networks. There weren't brand deals. There was nothing. It was just a place where you could host content at very low bit rate, uh, low quality. The, music, the audio on there was terrible, so it wasn't really great for music. But I had been previously using uh, a service called mp3.com, which was like audio hosting. And that's, that sank. It went down. And then I, do, I used YouTube as a, just a place to store my music, really, not really thinking about it being something where people could discover the music. Uh, I just used it as a place to send links to people so they could hear it. Uh, and it gradually, I noticed that the views were going up and, and I thought, wow, actually this is, this is a, you know, using music and putting visuals with it is a lot more interesting than just having audio on a, on a website archived. So I started to work on the video side as well a bit more. <clears throat> 2009, I made a video called Dear Lily, which was a a, a song about copyright in the music industry, um, copyright reform. And it it was uh, ta- it was um, Lily Allen at the time had written a, a lengthy blog post about uh, how important it was to respect copyright and stuff. But it it turned out that she'd actually uh, plagiarized the entire blog post from someone else. <laughs> Uh, no way! Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's it's perfect. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. So I, uh, for whatever reason, I decided to make a song that was like a letter to her about about kind of the hypocrisy of that and the fact that she'd also built her own career on releasing uh, kind of unofficial mixtapes where she'd used commercial instrumentals and made songs out of those. And I said, "Why have you built your own career on using these kind of?" legal gray area kind of techniques and now now that you are successful you're telling people that they should respect your copyright uh, even though you haven't done that in the same way yourself uh, and this uh, I, I accompanied it with a video that was like an email being typed out which no one had uh, I don't think anyone had really seen anything like that before it was so different to what you'd normally expect from a rap video that it was just yeah. it was literally just a, like a screenshot or like a screen grab of my email browser uh, my email client just with me typing the lyrics out and then I synced it up to the music uh, and that went viral overnight uh, massively wow. at the time I, I think it got like eight, 80,000 views overnight which in 2009 was oh, enormous man, it, it was like the most yeah, yeah. or second most viewed video on YouTube and ever since then I I just kept trying to like get new content out as quick as possible just making song after song trying to see if I could uh, kind of match that success uh, and I didn't match that success until I made a song about Skyrim. Was it was it Epic Skyrim? Was it was it Epic Skyrim rap? Was it that? It was that, yeah. Because I I hadn't really intended to make to be a gaming musician. I didn't really think that was a thing. I I just happened to be a musician in my own right who also was really into games. So it was kind of a novelty for me to to make songs or make a song about games. Uh, I'd done a couple before, but that one uh, just went stratospheric as well on a whole nother level. Um, that, that was that it, was my that was my personal first introduction to Dan Bull's music. I, I remember I remember that popped up in my feed, or I, I found out that was a people were talking about it because obviously being in the gaming you know space, not really I wasn't really working it back then, but it was it was I was very much in it. And the internet it didn't have that many. You're right, there wasn't that much content on YouTube really. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, I remember the, the Sky, epic Skyrim rap, and I remember that popped up, and everyone was just it it just went huge, mate. It went massive. It did, and. Um, 
I, again, it was it was um, back then. There was less content like that. I mean, now it's kind of a whole little industry of get, uh, music based around games and stuff. But at the time, I think a there was a lot of hype around that game, so I just released it at the right time. I was genuinely, uh, genuinely really hyped and excited for the game. So, and I think that came through in my music. And also, there was just this novelty factor of wow, listen to this. It's a rap song, but but it sounds like it comes from the Elder Scrolls. Um, so again, it was just the right the right timing i think a lot of it um as i say there are there are a whole bunch of great musicians now doing similar stuff it's a whole industry there's like you've got people like uh jt music that they've been going for as as long as me they're doing really well uh nerd out the stupendium's another great channel he's who's uh from the uk he's a friend of mine uh there's also a bunch of people that rap about anime as well now which is a whole new subgenre of nerdy music Yeah. yeah yeah Uh, it's funny because traditionally hip-hop has been so like you just wouldn't associate it with those kind of things i guess it's a lot more about kind of life on the streets and stuff and but there's a whole bunch of us that have sort of adopted it and applied it to our own interests and lifestyles although i think the wu-tang clan were always pretty nerdy they were rapping about like 70s kung fu movies and stuff so there's always (laughs) there there has always been a a geeky aspect to hip-hop but we people like myself and and the others i mentioned have just amplified that and it resonates yeah. with a lot of people cuz i mean so many people are into music into hip hop and they're into games it's just that usually those it's a venn diagram that doesn't cross over and we've just made it cross over yeah but i remember you know, i remember last year we chatted to guests about this on the show before but last year when you know ninja was playing fortnite and suddenly drake comes into the mix and starts playing with ninja on stream and it's something like whoa drake plays games and again you're combining music the music world with the gaming world which usually wouldn't go together and suddenly people think wait games are actually kind of cool because the attitude towards games has changed massively i guess back in 2009 it was still oh here here are some you know nerds in their basement making music or playing yeah. games whatever now that's that's very different people want to be professional gamers it's a kind of it's a it's a it's a, it's a you know it's a career you know that you can you can become a professional gamer or work in games developing games it's it's a whole different thing now it's the new rock star really isn't it you want to be a yeah, youtuber or a streamer uh kids don't want a guitar anymore they they want uh they want a twitch channel and a, and a, <laughs> a snazzy chair <laughs> spot on yeah it's all about the chair yeah Dan. it's all about the chair everything else is just well bits on the side the chair's the main part of it all i mean chairs um, are, chairs are generally more useful than guitars guitars are cool but i spend more time with chairs than guitars so makes as sense do I. <laughs> yeah as do i how many albums have you actually recorded since you began your music career because I, I i read online that there's you know wikipedia says one thing your website says another is it i want to say is it as many as 27 albums is this is this a thing the answer is i don't know <laughs> i i am okay. i'm literally <laughs> not keeping track of it um because I, I have a few different types of albums, let's say. I uh, I have a, a few which I, each of them are kind of about, tend to be more personal and about my, my own life and experiences and perspectives and things. And people mm. often refer to those as my real albums, whatever that means. Um, and I also have a bunch where I've compiled the various gaming and nerdy related tracks. Uh, and I have a lot more of those. And uh, yeah, they're more they're more kind of compilations of the content that I've put on YouTube, and I think there's probably about twenty volumes of that. And then there's there's things like the aforementioned Life of Pablo, where I guess it's an album, but I'm not sure if it counts in the same way as the others. So uh, I genuinely don't know. I genuinely don't know what the exact number is, but uh, 
my main intention is just to keep making more stuff i just love it's i i really just like making things so the the actual number is kind of irrelevant to me as long as i keep doing it and keep doing more has the has the creative process changed at all since obviously obviously it's going to from a technical standpoint from back from 2009 to now but like have you have you always written the same way have you always are you is it always writing the song first and then obviously getting the the video um so there's a massive drill i'll do that again has it always been from a technical standpoint obviously since 2009 um it's things have changed things have evolved but from a um recording or creative process like from the the video or the, or the, or the actually the writing the lyrics themselves has that changed for you at all yeah i think it's become a little bit more uh let's say industrialized or or formalized in a way that i know that as it's my career i have to hit a lot of trending topics and dates and things uh, a lot more uh, accurately than I would have in the past where it was kind of, as it was not not my, I wasn't relying on it as a source of income, I could experiment a lot more. So now I have a calendar and I know what I've got to write this week and I know what I've got to outsource. I know what uh, I know what I've got to do next week. And so it's become a lot more of kind of a production line, which doesn't sound very sexy and creative, but actually I, I kind of have this, my brain works really well that way in kind of a, a formalized autistic way based on lists and um, uh, structures and things. So I actually find that I can be just as creative in that way than I would if I was just kind of free freeballing it, if that makes sense. The other yeah, thing is absolutely. that uh, obviously the quality of video on YouTube uh, and the quality of, of homemade audio content has gone up drastically in the past decade. Um, and to keep up with that requires... You know, you've got to keep on top of equipment. Lighting is a much bigger thing. Sound quality is a much bigger thing. So uh, I think not, it hasn't been a problem for me because I've always just kind of gone along with it and upgraded here and there. But I think now perhaps the barrier to entry to creating content on YouTube is higher than it used to be. You just needed a webcam before and it was fine just to have a webcam. Now the channels that do really well have great lighting, great sound setups, uh, nice decorated sets and things so i think i think it's gradually drifting towards i don't know when it will stop but it's gradually drifting towards more and more like tv uh mm -hmm. level production production values yeah because uh, it, it it seems to have increased i mean you know you're right everything everyone now expects a minimum of 60 fps with 4k vision with this that's just the norm now and you can get all these things you, know, you can create all these things with green screens and all that kind of stuff where it didn't used to be a thing. Yeah. Um, inevitably, people, I mean, we haven't even touched on the kind of the, the revenue side of things, but I think when people as well, you know, have successful channels, when I think with the, you know, ad revenue kind of kicks in, obviously, you must have seen a huge spike when you were making videos and you're getting your 80,000 views originally, and suddenly you go into the million views realm where there's ad revenue attached. I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's a whole change as a as an influencer for you guys as well like financially it gives you it gives you the access to buy these things to make the quality better yeah i think i think youtube uh they rolled out their partner program it was 2011 or maybe 10 and um obviously that changed everything because it suddenly meant that youtube native content was uh profitable and it, it became an industry so quickly and i think that as you say that's about the same time where youtube really took off because obviously there was a big incentive for people to make huge amounts of good quality content on there um yeah and yeah that that luckily i i got on board with that quickly and so i went i'm i went rapidly from being essentially on job seekers allowance to having it 
uh, a decent paycheck coming every month for doing essentially the same thing I was doing before. Um, wow. Yeah. So I, I, I consider myself very lucky. People, I often get con contacted by people saying how talented you are and stuff. And I, I, I think, well, obviously I must have some level of talent, but I think a lot of it was timing and luck as well, because there are a lot of people with just as much talent as me that weren't in the right space and the right time uh, yeah. and didn't, didn't get that the same leverage of just being there as things took off. It's, I mean, you get that seems to be a kind of a, a a running theme amongst a lot of a lot of influencers and creators as well. Like they just happen to be on on that train when it left the station, and they you know making videos in bedrooms was a, a hobby, or it was a you know uh, it was something that they would do just for fun to you know to you know you get a few views here and there. But suddenly, when that when things when there was a few creators who just you know boomed. Um, it was being in the right place at the right time. You know, I was, I was compare it to, um, you know, and there's, you know, there's, there's, some, there's people like yourself now, there's like, you know, uh, Ali A or KSI, all these different people where when you come to, when you come to the, to YouTube for the first time, there are certain people that you kind of want to follow and watch their work because they've been there kind of, they're OGs, if you will, they've been there since the beginning and you want to, and you kind of, you kind of always want to keep tabs on what they're doing because they are the most successful creators, um, in their, in what they do. Um, and I've, I've been, yeah, I've been really blown away by the amount of people who, who, who say that, who say it all, if we were there at the right time, cause it's very, it, there are so many people doing it now. It's so saturated. It, it must, it's, it's, do you agree that it's, it's way harder now to make it than it used to be? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's, there's never been a, a shortage of talent. It's not, there's never been a problem where we go, oh, I wish there were more creative people because we don't have enough stuff. It's all, there's always been more talent than there has been opportunities so it is it is a big gamble and uh as i as i was saying i think it is a it is harder to succeed now just because it's because everybody knows that being a an influencer had can be so rewarding and uh both financially and just as an as a, an enjoyable career whereas before it was kind of more of a wild west where no one really knew what they were doing now it's very you know all the kids want to do that kids tell their teachers that's what they want to be when they grow up it's yeah. it's it's become established as a thing uh and so that's everyone's it. still competing for the same amount of slots really if that makes sense yeah, um absolutely yeah so it's, it's, it's it's a lot of competition out there i'm usually kind of at a loss for what to say when people come to me for advice and they say they want to to be a a, a youtuber or a musician and stuff i say well uh, and they want they want me to tell them what to do and i say i don't really know because that when I built my success uh, at, at the point that you're talking about, it was, were the, the rules were totally different. But there are some things which are the same for regardless of when and where you are, which is just try and make the best content you can, try and mm -hmm. enjoy it, try and be true to yourself because it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier not pretending or trying to be someone else or someone else's style than just finding your own sound and working with that. So I yeah. usually give people kind of, it, they almost sound like cliches, but they're true, which is just have fun, always try and improve, don't stress yourself out too much, <laughs> and don't expect ex, don't expect success. Um, and yeah. al also, there are a lot of things that, that you can enjoy more being kind of a hobbyist or, or, or just uh, doing it for fun than as a career. Like I... I have to worry about how many views my videos are getting and 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 what how what the next paycheck's going to look like. If you're just an amateur musician, you don't have those worries. You can do whatever the hell you want. And I uh, that's one of the things I do miss about when I was making music and it not being my career.
yeah, spot on, mate. I think that's the thing is people people do chase. Um, you know, I'm 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 the same. I'm, I'm by no I'm like a micro influencer, but you get people who are um, making videos in the bedrooms, and if they don't get a certain amount of views then they feel that it's a that that's what that's all they're basing success on is how many people have watched their video as opposed to actually what they're making yeah um, i think that's a that's a real kind of uh, an early hurdle that you need to get past is kind of just making something for the sake of trying to get to watch it because you're never going to be an overnight success unless you're in the, in the one percent who has have a couple of videos that go viral um it's it, it's it's a it's a it's hard because you see such big numbers online you see big viewership concurrent viewers on certain streams or um how many views per hour something's kind of gained it's 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 hard not to fall into that trap i think yeah and uh, uh as you mentioned micro influencers as well and i think that's actually um something that's a lot easier to get into is if you have a specific field that's not just all-encompassing and trying to be the, the number one star of in the world of gaming if you pick a very specific niche that you know all about and is your passion uh, i think you can do a lot better that way you might not end up being the next ninja or whatever but mm-hmm. but only one person in the world can be ninja anyway and that's ninja so it's a po- pointless aspiring to that whereas yeah. if you if you know your niche and you know your exact interests it's a lot easier to make that content that's valuable and you'll enjoy it and you're more likely to do well too yeah definitely definitely um we, we I mean you've worked alongside as well some some big talent yeah we, we mentioned we mentioned a bunch of them but you've worked alongside like the, the Oxcast and boy in a band and markiplier these kind of people has that been a big inspiration a help as well to get you to certain levels i mean working collaborating with other people in the same field to equally as successful as yourself yeah it's a, it's usually really motivating and inspiring just being around uh other creators because you tend to you tend to do a lot of work on your own generally and you can easily fall into kind of ruts or ways of doing things that are you're used to and they're comfortable but when you when you see how someone else operates or you bounce ideas off each other it just takes you to a kind of a new space and you you tend to feel a lot more inspired and motivated and and it's the same as well in reverse like people people will see how you do certain things and uh pick those up um and as I say, as an as an influencer, or at least as a YouTuber, you spend a lot of time on your own, just kind of sat at the computer working on new projects and stuff. So it's it's really useful to 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 go out there and t- and try and meet up with these other people that are from the internet, from YouTube and stuff, and um, spend time with them. I've made a, quite a few good friends through through YouTube from people that I would never have met otherwise. Yeah. It's like a very, like a very unique club, isn't it? The, like, yeah, it's like a group of friends that you, that everyone's in the same position. They've experienced very similar, uh, you know, uh, you know, experiences. You know, it, over, over the course of the last however many years, and I guess you, you have an understanding. There's like a, there's like an underlying. I've been through the same struggles. I've appreciated the same highs. You know, been through the same lows. So, and that that kind of connects you with people. And I, I totally makes sense. Yeah, and I, I, I often say as well. I, I feel like YouTube and and. Uh, twitch and then that internet sphere in general is it's a lot like high school you still get the same kind of clicks of people that hang out together like there's certain groups of creators that you just know that they would sit together in the lunchroom together Uh, oh those people are the those people are the jocks those are the nerds those are the preppy ones it feels like the rules are pretty much the same it's just on a much bigger global scale she, it makes perfect sense i totally get that i was thinking exactly the same analogy was going through my head so yeah um i mean you you've you've written a lot of songs as well about about very prevalent issues such as recovery war alcoholism 
Asperger's, you know, is it is it tough taking on subject matter like that and and doing it justice? Or is it I mean, or do you is it quite easy for you just to do what you do best, which is be you, give your opinion, uh, and I just hope people, you know, appreciate that. I've I've written about quite a few personal things which have been kind of affected me in my life or a certain hardships or or problems I've gone through and I actually find it one of the reasons why I like to make music about that is I find it really cathartic and it's a it's a way to kind of get my thoughts in order and if I if I can get all my how the way I feel about a specific subject all written down on page and then structure it so it's in a in a in nice neat verses and rhyme schemes and everything it feels a lot more ordered than when it's just kind of swimming around in my head as chaotically mm. so it's a real yeah. therapeutic process for me um, mm. obviously if it's about something that's less specifically affecting me or like if I'm talking about something like global politics or war and uh, or the experiences of someone that isn't me there's more of a I feel like it's there's more risk that I don't understand what I'm talking about or I get the wrong perspective or something but it is it I I find that really useful as well because it makes me put myself in someone else's shoes or look at things from different angles um so i find songwriting it's not just me sitting there uh thinking of things that rhyme it's me really kind of picking up an idea in my uh, in my hand if you will and kind of looking at it from different angles and working out the best way to describe and present it so i find it really um engaging and kind of i i feel most this sounds this sounds pretentious but i feel most kind of alive when i'm writing lyrics and stuff i feel really engaged with my own mind and with the world and thoughts and stuff and um that's why i'm i'm pretty sure I'll always be doing this because it's just yeah. my favorite thing to do you were born to do this dan you were born to do this i think i was you know i think and i think that speaking spell <laughs> that my parents gave me was probably a good uh a good help in getting me on the path to actually becoming a songwriter yeah yeah i mean it's i mean of all the songs you've written or i mean the albums you've created is there any is there a particular song album that was particularly special to you be it at the time in your life you wrote it or how much you enjoyed making it or had the biggest impact what one what one kind of one or two kind of might stick out for you the first the first album i made which was called safe was something i made uh back as i said i was unemployed for ages i dropped out of university i didn't I didn't enjoy university well and I, I hadn't managed to make friends very well there and so I, I came back to my parents' house and lived there. was really depressed seeing my friends kind of finishing off uni and getting careers and stuff and I felt utterly shit about myself but I, I put all those experiences down in this album and it took me about three years to finish it. Um, and that was, uh, that was really... Uh, I felt like I was taking all those bad, those negative emotions and experiences and kind of turning them into something good uh, and encapsulating it all. Uh, and so I think, although it was it was a difficult time in my life, I feel like that probably, that album probably has the most meaning to me and the one that I remember making the most because I spent so long on it and it was so, uh, it was a lot of raw things I was talking about. So yeah, and yeah. um I'm I'm glad though that I'm kind of in a position where I don't need to make something like that again because I I'm fairly I'm a lot more happy at the moment and comfortable in life so I don't think I'll be making content like that again but I it it definitely was an important stage and the fact it was yeah. the first major piece of art that I'd made and finished as well it felt really special to me I bet I bet 
it's it's been fascinating getting to find out about your career um, and how it's because I always I always find the stories of how people got to where they are for me is is such such a uh, such interest you know it's very I find it very because because I, I you know I, my journey is very different obviously but in, in the industry in the world we work in it's you always kind of same as the kind of the whole thing you mentioned with the jocks and the different you know the kind of the, the geeks whatever at school you always try and find your place and where you know you have, you, you have a group of people in the same kind of position as you and everyone kind of rises up together yeah um, but I can totally put myself in your position when you're back you know job seekers allowance trying to make this thing and you, despite people kind of all around you succeed and do what they're doing you're so passionate about what you're doing saying this is what I'm meant to be doing this is this is this is what I'm, and it's hard to convince people it took me ages to convince my parents that I should be doing what I'm doing um, they were like get a real job get a real job and I said like, no 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 bear with me I, this is this is what <laughs> yeah. this is what makes me happy I, I was very lucky in that my, my parents did work they knew that music was or creative kind of stuff like that was the only thing that would make me happy. So they were hugely patient. Um, it did get to the point they were they were like, perhaps you should be at least doing something part time while you try and build on this. But that was uh, shortly after that was when I kind of started to get the success. Yeah, um, I presume all this time as well, Dan. Um, you've been playing video games, I hope, the entire time. So you've uh, just jabble, dabbling here and there, be it the Game Boy or whatever it might be. We tend to wrap up all of our um, episodes by asking our guests about their top five games of all time. Like games that have been specifically, you know, especially, um, you know, stood out for you, but you love them, a certain part of your life that they were very influential. Um, can you give us a top five games of all time, according to Dan Bull? It's difficult because there are there are so many games I've enjoyed over the years, but there are a few there are a few I still go back to. I think whether it's that I still actively play them or I just think about how great they were. The first, I think, the first game that I was really really engrossed in was the Civilization series, and the game I played was Civilization Two. But I've played all of them since then, uh, and I feel like that's a really important franchise because it taught me a lot about the world and different concepts about politics and power struggles and history um and i i, I think it's a good example of uh, or counter example when people say video games are mindless trash and you don't get anything out of them the civilization series is, is the total opposite of that and it's so engrossing as well you can lose a whole evening a whole night playing civilization without realizing it yeah. have you played any of those i've, I've played um it was I mean, what would you what would you class them as they're kind of like a guess a real-time strategy in rts would you say they are maybe yeah that well um, the, the genre is called 4x i can't remember what the 4x's stand for but they're like turn-based uh empire building games yeah. oh okay for 4x I like that. um i i always had friends who had the, had the games and i always appreciated them but i never actually i know exactly what they are because you can play different there's different kind of t- time periods as well like some focus on like the napoleonic era some focus on ancient egypt there's there's lots of different yeah um, versions of the game right yeah well well the civ series they go through all of those periods of history so you start with like a a stone age settlement and then you you gradually progress through different periods of history but i think there are specific expansions and things which are really flesh out certain parts of history yeah Okay, I must check because it, it always looks fascinating. Because I, I love history, so I'm, it seems like I should have I should have connected the dots and made that happen at some stage. So there's always time, and that's the beauty of gaming. They're still there. I can still get them. They're still out there somewhere. So yes, um, and there are loads of historical. Uh, I'll tell you another game actually that's really that really got me more interested in different historical periods. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the uh, Assassin's Creed franchise, oh, yeah. which 
I only re- recently signed, kind of realized how important this franchise was to me uh, because it's just been going since, I think the first one came out 2007 and that was set yeah. in during the, the time of the Crusades in Syria. Uh, I didn't know anything about that period of history at all, but the, the, what what is good about Assassin's Creed is that ostensibly on the surface, it's just kind of an action game where you play an assassin, but really what it does is it totally immerses you in kind of a reconstruction of a period of history that you can walk around freely inside and kind of get the idea of what it might have been like to live there. And they so accurately or so so meticulously reconstruct the architecture uh, and and the way that that uh, commerce and things would work back then that you you I don't think there's another experience like it in terms of experiencing no. history in games. But I've had on, some of the most fun times in that game, or those games. Yeah, and and they just keep bringing out new ones that are so, you, every period in history they they do justice to. I think that some, I think the, some of the games get got a slightly worse rap than others, but I've I think I've enjoyed all of it. Um, yeah, it's, you, you bump in you, you bump into prolific figures as well, like Da Vinci's in them. When um, you go to like it, it, you know, Italy, and I mean, one of the most fun bits I I had experiences was there was, there was one that came out um, based in London, like the, I think it's like turn of the you know nineteenth century London. Yeah, and it was uh, me and a, you know me and a buddy of mine were playing the game, kind of you know having fun with it, and I actually managed to ascend to the top of Buckingham Palace, and we played a game where we were trying to knock out. Um, royal guards and toss them off the top of Buckingham Palace rooftop into like hay bales below. Yeah. And that sounds mental, but it was one of the best games of like Patonk or like whatever you want to call it. They actually <laughs> recreate these things, as you said. They're so incredible. Yeah. They're so much fun to play. I, I love games like that, open world games where you can either follow the story how it's supposed to be or you could just go off and make your own fun. Uh, exactly. My, I think my top five's got another couple like that end, on, which uh, one, on. obviously one of my favourite franchises is the Elder Scrolls, uh, and Skyrim mm. is the game that I made the song about that really launched my career in the in the gaming YouTube industry. Um, um, I before I played an Elder Scrolls game, I didn't know that genre existed. Uh, where it was like because I'd always enjoyed first person shooters. Uh, I loved the idea of like back in the nineties, games were two, a lot of them were two D side scrollers, and so when I first played a first person perspective three D game. It blew my mind, and so I'd always enjoyed those. And then I didn't realize at the time because I'd never played an RPG. But when I played the Elder Scrolls, and it had all these cool mechanics like leveling up your character and specializing in areas and crafting armor and stuff, uh, it just blew my mind. And then um, so that the first one I played was Oblivion, and then I got so hyped for the when Skyrim was announced, and that's why I ended up making that Skyrim song. Yeah. So um, yeah, that front that series has always been. Um, has always been dear to me and I'm I just can't wait till the next one now but I've no idea when Elder Scrolls 6 is coming out. I'm sure Bethesda are working very hard in the background my friend. Yeah. I'm sure uh, I I should hope so. I think they released yeah. they released a trailer but it just shows kind of some mountains and that's it but promising. <laughs> classic. Classic, yeah. you know. So you've got you've got you've got the Assassin's Creed series, Civ, the Civilization 2, you've got um Elder Scrolls, oh, sorry, yeah, Elder Scrolls and then you've got two more, what the last two? Uh, another one would be the uh, the Witcher series, especially Witcher Three, because that just took everything um, everything that I enjoyed about open open world RPG games and stuff, and just polished it and and made it bigger and more cinematic and exciting. It had a huge kind of storyline. If you strip it down, The Witcher Three is actually basically like a film noir detective story, but set in this sprawling fantasy world. Um, 
and everything about that game was just so polished and so good i i, I tried playing it I played it on the hardest difficulty as well, so every encounter was utterly terrifying because just simple fights with basic enemies were like a, were like a boss fight. Um, so that was a gr- that was an amazing experience for me. Um, but then I recently I've been going back and playing uh, Minecraft, and I'm starting to think that Minecraft might be my fa- favorite game of all time, or one of the best games of all time because it's unlike anything else. It kind of it doesn't really have a storyline. It doesn't have a plot that you have to follow. You make your own story in that. You just get dumped in this infinitely sized world that you can either run around in, mess around in, dig down, build up. There are so few restrictions on what you could do in Minecraft. It, it's one of the only games where I really feel like I'm on an adventure and I don't know what's going to happen when I play it. And I've never got <laughs> bored of it. I've never got bored of it. And um, you know, it's you're right. It's it it continues to blow everyone away. I mean, it's it's an incredible game. Probably one of the most prolific games of all time, Minecraft. So yeah, um, great top five, Dan. Amazing top five. I love that. I love that. I love the theme as well. There's a bit of fantasy in there. There's a bit of history. A bit of creative. I mean, it's a perfect, it's a perfect balance. I love it. Um, yeah, Dan, thank, thank you. you, thank you so much for being on the Savage Situation podcast. It's been amazing to have you. Hopefully, you've enjoyed yourself. I have. Um, it's been a pleasure. It's been good to talk to other people. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't happen too much lately. Come out of your cave and just converse with someone. It's been nice. Yeah. Um, but um, I'm sure I'll, I'm sure we'll catch up again soon next time in Bromsgrove buying some nails. Uh, <laughs> but until then, um, thank you so much. All the best, my friend. And um, I'll catch you real soon. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. You too. Thanks, Dan. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the show. Don't forget to subscribe to the series so you're notified when the Savage Situation is back with a new episode. And if you enjoyed it, then rate it. I'm also on Twitter at Adam Savage. Drop me a follow and be sure to share how much you enjoyed this podcast with the people around you. Until next time, it's goodbye from me. A massive thanks to you guys for listening to this episode of the Savage Situation podcast. It's been so much fun. Uh, do as well. Make sure to check out the YouTube videos. Mentioned this at the beginning. We have all these videos of the, the episodes on YouTube. We also have as well highlight clips. So make sure to check it all out. Savage Situation podcast. You can find us on Twitter, on Instagram. You know, we want to grow this community as big as we can. And you guys have been so supportive so far and it's going to get bigger, better, faster, stronger. Thanks so much for listening. Take care and we'll see you next week. That's right, on the next one. Take care for now. Thank you and bye-bye.